the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my Heart. That is the room, and I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me The death of me I risk a trip To the grocery store To buy TV and a few things more 
all I get there, all I can find is sixteen honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Old Fashioned Radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com I know of a place where you never get harmed a magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away from the Tom Sumner Show Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is the Senior Vice President for Clinical Operations at ShareCare. He is uh, board certified in preventive medicine, a fellow of the American College of Preventative Medicine, and part-time faculty at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He's been on the show before, uh, along with uh, his uh, co-author of uh, a book, that we're going to talk about a little bit called the What to Eat When cookbook. It's a little different, but uh, Dr. Michael Crupain joins me by phone. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Great to be back. Uh, last time we talked, uh, and, and I was just getting the hang of this a little bit when I was talking with uh, with you and Michael Roizen, and um, the basic premise is this is this is a cookbook but for a 
different kind of diet. It's it's not a it's not just a what's on it diet, but when you eat and and you're talking about trying to get people to change their habits a little bit. That's right. It's about marrying the what to eat, so eating the right foods and eating them when at the right time. And it all has to do with our circadian rhythm, and that's our body's clock. And our circadian rhythm's job is to prepare our body to do the right things at the right time so it's efficient. Well, I think we all remember our circadian rhythm is important for our sleep. If it gets out of whack, we, when we travel, we have jet lag. Uh, but it also regulates our metabolism. So our metabolism changes throughout the day. And our body is actually primed um, by that circadian rhythm to eat more early in the day and eat less later. Our hormones are involved with metabolism change throughout the day. So, for example, our uh, insulin sensitivity changes. So people are most sensitive to insulin in the morning and they're more insulin-resistant at night. And we know insulin resistance is a sign of diabetes, right? So even people who, are no, who don't have diabetes, if you took their uh, blood sugar at night, you would find they'd be more insulin-resistant because of this change in our metabolism. And so because of all this and all the science behind it, we came up with uh, what to eat when and the, and the when way of eating, as we call it, which has three main principles. And the first one is eat more early and eat less later because... That's when we're supposed to eat with the sun because the sun sets our uh, circadian rhythm and, and sets that it to be like that first rule. And then the third rule and why we wrote the cookbook is don't stereotype food. And that's because we're recommending you eat more early and you eat less later. We don't want you to eat more pastries and sugary cereals <laughs> early. We want you to eat real food. We want you to eat a piece of salmon or a bowl of whole grain pasta or some vegetables for breakfast or lunch because... It's okay. You know, it's a sort of maybe cultural, we eat sugary things for breakfast, but uh, other cultures, they don't. And so that's one of the reasons we wrote this book is to show people, here's the food you can eat at any time of day, especially if you're going to eat more early and less later. Here's, here's some great ideas. Well, I remember an adage called uh, that went, uh, breakfast is the uh, most important meal of the day. Um, is Is that consistent with your thinking and, and uh, what you write in this book? Um, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's the answer is sort of. <laughs> really, um, I'm not, we, I don't believe, we don't believe that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but we believe that it's important to eat more early and less later and to try to, let's say, as an example, to get 75% of your calories before 2 p.m. Does it have to be breakfast? Not necessarily. That could be a brunch. You could eat, you know, or a lunch. So if you don't love breakfast, you don't have to eat first thing in the morning. But, yeah, the general idea, I, I won't say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but I say it's a really important meal. And um, the more you can eat sort of more early while the, after the sun has risen, the better it's going to be for you. Well, and, yeah, you kind of um, turn the table, no pun intended, on, on the idea of breakfast, because you talk about having things that we typically think of as dinner for breakfast. Yeah, that's right. We actually we often say, eat your dinner for breakfast. And, you know, my co-author, Mike Roizen, who we've talked with before, his favorite breakfast is to have a salmon burger. And we have I uh, was a couple gonna, of salmon burger recipes in the book. You <laughs> get, you're getting ahead of me a little bit, Michael, because I remember... Uh, being convinced 
by one of you to try a salmon burger. And and I couldn't remember if it was you or Michael Roizen. But um in in fact we even talked about where to get the good ones. <laughs> but um that's right. But this idea of eating dinner for breakfast, that that doesn't mean that, you know, you get up in the morning and go to the refrigerator and get a cold piece of pizza. No, that's probably not the best breakfast. But it could mean that you go to the refrigerator and get a open up a container of cold pasta that you made the night before. That's one of my favorite breakfasts. Um, I love pasta. A lot of people are sort of anti-carbs these days, but we're not. So we have a lot of recipes in the What to Eat When Cook book for, for pasta that's good as good warm or, or cold. And one of the reasons I like to eat cold pasta for breakfast is, is because, well, there's two reasons, really. <laughs> one is I can make it the night before, and then in the morning if I'm in a rush, it's, it's ready for me. And two, pasta and other things that contain starch like potatoes uh, they change when they cool. So starch is basically a long chain of sugar, and so when you eat starch, it just turns into sugar in your body. But when you let uh, starchy foods cool, some of that starch turns into something called resistant starch. And resistant starch acts less like sugar in your body and more like fiber. So instead of just turning into, into sugar molecules, it actually feeds your good gut bacteria, helps you feel full, and just generally better for you. So that doesn't actually happen with pizza, but it does happen with pasta. And you talk about um, intermittent fasting. When, what is the science behind that, and what are the benefits of intermittent fasting? I, I, I guess I'm kind of one of those people, Michael, I, if I get hungry, I, I start foraging. Yeah, so I get it. So intermittent fasting has become kind of uh, a trendy way of eating, and uh, there's a lot of science behind it, but a lot of people do it uh, not quite the right way. And that's, uh, when we wrote this book, we wanted to really base it on, on that science. And so what's important about intermittent fasting is you both, again, focus on when you're eating, but also on the food you're eating. But the benefits are, are um, potentially uh, quite diverse. You know, a lot of people uh, find success at losing weight or maintaining a healthy weight while they're doing intermittent fasting. Some people, uh, personally, I found that uh, I feel a little bit more energy and sleep a lot better. Um, I've heard from people who've who've read our book and started eating the way we suggest who have diabetes, and they find it's easier to control their blood sugar when they're doing doing eating the way we recommend with this intermittent fasting style. Now, there's a bunch of different ways you can do intermittent fasting, and some people will sort of skip a, me- uh, skip a day of eating, so they'll eat one day and not eat the next day. Um, but the way, again, we sort of recommend it is to eat within a window of time from during the sun shining, right? So that would be, you know, eating about over, a say, a 12-hour window on average and then fasting throughout the night, in the evening, right, when it's easiest is while you're sleeping. Uh, and that's how you uh, how you get that fasting in. So I think when people hear fasting, sometimes they get nervous, right, because fasting sounds like you're depriving yourself. But when you're doing intermittent <laughs> right? fasting, it's relatively easy. More about what to eat when with doctor and author Michael Crupain straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about what to eat when with doctor and author Michael Crupain straight ahead. This is an interesting time to be revisiting this book with you, Michael, because we're we're coming out of the pandemic and you mentioned weight loss. I've um I, I have to admit I, I have done some binge eating along with my binge watching during the uh times I've been in quarantine and I've I'm afraid I've put on a few covid pounds. Um is is this a good time to to now that we're starting to come out of that to think about restructuring what we eat and when we eat? Yeah, I I I think so. I think we've all gained a few covid pounds in no matter what we tried to do, we were yeah. stuck at stuck at home, or it couldn't go anywhere. So our physical activity was down, our eating was up. So I think yeah, we, I all, call, we all I, feel that way. I got to calling it boredom eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got it, and uh, I'm I'm probably guilty of of some of that too. But so I do think now is uh, a great time for a lot of reasons, right? Where I mean. With uh, so many people getting the vaccine, the, the world is opening up again. We can we can get out in the world and be more physically active. It's also summer, and so summer to me is sort of the best time to eat healthy, right? Because uh, eating healthy usually involves eating a lot of fruit and vegetables, and there's no better time when they're in season nearby where you live. Uh, I love going to the farmer's market, and a lot of the recipes we put in the What to Eat When cookbook were really inspired by the farmer's market and eating uh, you know, a lot more plants and, and trying and eating them this time of year, uh, is really great because the book, what we try to do is really focus on the technique of preparation and bringing out those natural flavors and doing it in a simple way. And so, uh, the summer is a perfect time to do that. And if you're going to eat a lot more plants and move a little bit, you're probably going to lose some weight. And, uh, you mentioned, you know, summer, and this is a good time to, to be making some changes. And certainly, um, I find myself craving fruits more in the summertime. But is the book set up to show what things work best in what seasons? Um, it's not really, the book isn't organized by season. Actually, if you look through the book, if people don't have it yet, it'd be quite, it's kind of funny. It feels a bit random the way it's organized at times, and that's really to inspire <laughs> you on every page to uh, to find something new. So, you know, there might be a recipe for pasta, and then the next recipe might be for, you know, something sort of similar but related, and then a few pages later, it's pasta again. And that's, again, it's kind of keep your interest as you turn through the pages. Um, but there's, it, there's lots of... Um, recipes in here for every season and so i think as you as you look through it you'll sort of i think you'll as you feel like you're craving fruit you'll see like oh there's tomatoes there i saw those uh at the farmer's market i know those are in season now that's that's what i want to eat today or you know there's a potato a sweet potato that's more of a something i'm going to think about in the fall and and you know it it is a cookbook i mean there are what 135 plus recipes uh in the book but there's a lot of other information as well and and what i was wondering is if you do talk about some of the things um 
uh, you know, in the various recipes when you're talking about the food, if you're talking about uh, at all when is best to serve and, and eat them. Yeah, we talk about, I mean, the book has, a, yeah, as you said, has over 135 recipes. It has a little synopsis of the first book, so if you haven't read What to Eat When, you can uh, pick up how to eat the when way and how, and how to sort of change your pattern of eating to get on that uh, schedule a little more quickly. And then yeah, each recipe has uh, uh, nutritional information and uh, some reasons why you might want to eat uh, that recipe uh, either at a certain time or because of a certain ingredient that has in it. Now, when you came out with uh, what to eat when, um, and, and we talked about it back at that time, and you were recommending all kinds of of certain foods and um, when to eat them. In the process of doing that, like like I said, uh, your cohort Michael Roizen, uh, you know, made a real sales pitch on me for uh, salmon burgers, and <laughs> and I. I I can't help wondering if at the end of the promo tour, you know, after that book was out and and in subsequent communications with people following the publishing of that first book, if it didn't sort of morph into the companion cookbook, which this seems like it might be. Yeah, no, totally. I think when when, when we were out, when we were and are out talking about what to eat when, uh, one of the most frequent questions we get is for recipes. Uh, and, and we were a little surprised by that in some ways because in, we try to talk about, you know, we, in the first book we, we tried to make it very um, open-ended. We say we don't want to be too prescriptive. So uh, we were kind of general about what you could eat and didn't want to define it for you. But people want recipes and we love cooking. So we, we put together the cookbook with the things that, that, uh, we love to eat, and we think everyone else will too, and that really uh, go well with eating the one way. Yeah, and you and you were talking about in you know in the first book um, that you were talking about the science and and the the theory of eating more early in the day, and you know what to eat and when. Um, and and it, I don't want to say it was academic because it wasn't. It was a much easier read than that. But I, I remember us talking about recipes, and so it just seems only natural that there be a follow-up, uh, the what to eat when cookbook. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it was. Uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's funny that you say. Yeah, I. It, why? It, I mean, we definitely get. Uh, the first book, the purpose was to really get into the science and outline the principles. And um, so it actually, it, was, it is kind of a fun book to read, but it was sort of a more of an academic uh, exercise to do the research and write it. And I tell you, it, the cookbook I found to be much, much harder to write <laughs> because I love to cook and I, I cook every day, but um, I'm not used to kind of writing things down um, and making, you know, having measuring things out, and then there are recipes in here which I I thought would be good, 
when I, when I first started working on them and I didn't like it. And, you know, like there's a recipe for chicken meatballs in here, which my entire refrigerator at one point was filled with nothing but chicken meatballs. Because <laughs> I wanted to make sure that this recipe was perfect and that, you know, if somebody made it, they would want to make it again and they wouldn't be disappointed. So it was, it was really hard to write this cookbook, much harder than writing the first book. Um, but a uh, really fun experience. And I think that the, the book, uh, you know, it, it was worth all that effort because it turned into a really great book. I, I would not have guessed that, Michael, that the, that the uh, recipe book would be, would be harder to write than the academic uh, or the more academic version of, of looking at this subject. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because most of the people I've talked to that have done cookbooks have done them from recipes that they already had um, written down in in some way. So it just became kind of an editing job. Um, but it sounds to me like when you cook, do you do you follow a recipe or do you just think well, I want to do something with this? Uh, a little bit of both. So I mean, I'm looking yeah. around my my home right now, and I have hundreds of cookbooks. So I love. I love following a recipe and getting inspired, but I'd say, um, you know, on a typical day, uh, maybe for a special occasions, I like to follow a recipe and try something, you know, new and crazy. But on a typical day, I try to be creative and, and make something up. And so um, what we really, again, kind of wanted to do with this book was to do something that felt, you know, exciting and, and new, but um, was not too hard, you know, simple, simple, straightforward cooking that really emphasize the deliciousness of the ingredients and so uh you know tweaking those things to to end up just right is is much harder (laughs) than it seems did you try um was it i'm not sure even how to frame this question but in the process of putting together the recipes i guess what was what was the goal was it to make um Good food or healthy food, and are those two things mutually exclusive? That's a great question. And, you know, when we were writing this book, it was something that I emphasized to uh, to our editors and, and all of us, the Mike Loison and, and Jim Perko, who's our other co-author, who's a professional chef. Uh, we all agreed. Like, we wanted to write a cookbook that people would want to cook from. We didn't want to write something that was perceived as a healthy or diet cookbook. It's a, it's a cookbook that all the recipes in there happen to be healthy <laughs> and delicious. And so I think um, sometimes people might think those are mutually exclusive, but they don't have to be. And, you know, if you, well, I think the other principle we wanted to bring through the book was to really focus on the technique. So the recipes are, you know, recipes, right? You follow a recipe, they're prescriptive. But you could swap things out easily. So there's a recipe, let's say, in there for... Uh, uh, kohlrabi, which is a, something you don't necessarily see all the time in the supermarket, but you might find in the at the grocery store, I mean, at the farmer's market. And if you can't find that, you can follow the same principle for that recipe for any vegetable you can find, and it's going to be delicious. But I'm, I'm looking at some of the art on the on the cover, and I see looks like a, uh, a dressing and um, uh, some bread and pies, not the things that you typically think of when you're being health conscious with the way you're putting together your meal planning and dieting. 
Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I think another cool thing about the book is that we tried to make sure that the recipes, uh, again, were delicious, but they, they were satisfying. And, right, and so sometimes uh, you want something crunchy, sometimes you want something creamy, sometimes you just want a piece of bread, right? And so sometimes you want dessert. So we, um, again, sort of through the recipe, show you the techniques of how you make a whole grain uh, bread that uh, is delicious, or how do you make a creamy soup or a creamy dip that has no cream in it, or how do you make a dessert that, that doesn't have a lot of added sugar that uses the sugar that's naturally found in the fruit already. And... And, you, you and were, let me just say one other thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the back of the book as well, and in the back, back bottom corner is a is a dish which I think is uh, em- emphasizes those principles, which is a it's a creamed corn, um, oh, okay. but it's just made with corn. <laughs> There's corn, salt, a little red onion, and some mint in it, and it's just a technique of uh, grating the corn, and then you. You make a little bit of a simple, quick stock using the cobs of the corn. And so you make this super flavorful, uh, which ends up being sweet corn, creamy corn dish. But, you know, it's got no cream in it, and it's really healthy. That That's the one that looked like a dressing to me. Okay. And, and you know, I mean, no offense. It just looked like that at first glance. Um, yeah. But the... Um, you worked with uh, Jim Perko, who is an actual chef. Not that both of you aren't great cooks, but um, how was it working with a chef? How much did you rely on him for uh, turning your ideas into actual recipes? Um, you know, I think what, working with Jim was great. Jim's a very experienced chef. He spent he works at the Cleveland Clinic, and he teaches people um, every day how to cook uh, the techniques of cooking and how to cook for themselves so that they can live a healthier life. Uh, I'd say, what um, if you were to divide the think about the way we made the book? I basically created half the recipes, and Jim created half the recipes. But we, uh, I think, we both learned from each other. So, like, there's definitely some things I included in my recipes, some techniques like um, Jim has uh, taught me about uh, uh, making a mayonnaise from cashews, cashewnaise he calls it, and you'll find that there's, in the book there's a recipe for the cashewnaise, and I incorporated a, a version of it into one of the recipes I did where I mixed it with some herbs to make sort of a, a cashew aioli. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we basically would bounce ideas off of each other uh, but it was, to create the book was a little bit of a divide and conquer to get all those recipes in there. What were some of the surprises um, in in putting this together? Maybe that that Jim brought into it, or um, how did you screen the recipes? And and were there any surprises, or was this all sort of stuff from the mind of Michael Crupain? Uh, I think, I mean, the one surpri- the biggest surprise is the one I told you already were how hard it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the great things that Jim does at the Cleveland Clinic is he works with uh, 
Caldwell Esselstyn, who's the who's the guy that the movie Forks Over Knives uh, is based on, and Doctor Esselstyn believes that uh, you know he he advocates for a diet with no oil, um, no animal products, uh, so a really low fat diet. And so Jim is uh, teaches people how to cook that way, and so he brought a lot of those techniques into the book. So there's uh, recipes that have no oil. Um, and have have uh, our sort of that style, and I learned uh, some more techniques about how to do those things, which I thought was really valuable. Um, so I think uh, it was it was really fun to collaborate with with uh, Chef Jim and with Mike uh, Mike Rosen because Mike's a great uh, <laughs> he's just so fun, and uh, he tried all the recipes, he tried cooking them all. It was really important that anybody could ma- could make what's in this book to us. Um, and that it was delicious. And so Mike uh, helped with that, and uh, he also did all the hard work of, of calculating all the nutrition information that's in, in all the recipes, which was uh, no small task in itself. Tell me about the warm roasted potato salad. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool recipe. That's um, a, you know, usually think of potato salad as just a... Uh, creamy um, <laughs> boiled potatoes in a creamy sauce. But the warm roasted potato salad is a mix of lots of different roasted vegetables. So you have your roasted potatoes, uh, but you also have a lot of um, you have tomatoes and carrots that are roasted in there. You have uh, green beans. You have uh, roasted beets. You have olives. You have capers and you have herbs. So it's, it's sort of a it's more than a potato salad. That's why we call it the warm roasted potato and vegetable salad. It's, um, you know, again, sort of filled with vegetables, filled with flavor. Is it served and, warm? Uh, yeah, this is, this also, you can serve it warm because it's, a, um, that's one way, or um, it can be even better if you actually don't serve it warm, even though we call it warm roasted potato salad. If you uh, let it sit overnight, you let it cool. Um, all those flavors will actually meld together even better. And as we, uh, I mentioned earlier, those warm potatoes, uh, the starch in them will, some of it will become resistant starch. So it's actually even a little healthier if you eat the warm potato salad. Cool. Well, when I was looking at that, the first thing I thought of is I've never been a fan of chilled soup. Okay. And, and I thought, now, wait a minute. There's chilled soup. Now there's warm potato salad. <laughs> it just seemed kind of odd, and so I was I was curious about it for that reason. Um, and it sounds well, you have to try the the cold soup great. though. This uh, this snap pea soup is one of my favorite. Really, dishes. they're all my favorite, but but I really love that. And you know, snap peas are coming into season right about now. Um, the soup is so simple to make. You basically Take the snap peas and you um, blanch them for uh, just a short period of time, a couple of minutes, minute or two actually, and then you puree them in a high-speed blender like a Vitamix for maybe three minutes with some ice cubes and until it's really, really smooth. And then you can add an avocado in it to give it, makes it extra, a little extra creamy. And it's just... Um, has this pure flavor of of, uh, of snap peas that's so delicious. Uh, if you want to add a little crab or a piece of salmon inside or just have it 
totally plain. Uh, it's delicious, and, and you can eat it cold or you can warm it up just a little bit, and it's also delicious. Well, and I would imagine that it makes an excellent side for salmon burgers. A great side for salmon burgers, <laughs> and it's, it's such a striking color. It's such a beautiful uh, shade of green. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like fun, and I'm looking forward to trying some of the things. Um, and it, it, as always, it was uh, it was great talking with you, Dr. Michael Coupain is the uh, senior vice president of clinical operations for ShareCare and a co-author of uh, well, two books now. Uh, I mean, probably a whole bunch of books, but the ones that we've been talking about: What to Eat When and Now, the new the What to Eat When cookbook. Um, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your cohorts and your work, past, present, and future. Um, is there a website for what to eat when? Yeah, so there is. You can find more about uh, what to eat when and, and us on our website, which is whenway.com. Uh, the when way, that's what we call the, our way of eating. Yeah. And you can also follow us on Instagram if you're into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dr. Crupain, and we also have when.way on Instagram. Well, Michael, thanks so much. It was great talking with you again, and keep up the good work. Thank you. It was great talking to you. I really, uh, I really enjoyed chatting. All right. We'll see you. That was uh, Dr. Michael Crupain, and uh, the book is... The What to Eat When Cookbook. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Now, when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague, and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague, well, then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well, unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. It's super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. The Tom Summer Program.com. 
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now.
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Food isn't that much easier now, though. See people in the supermarket just struggling, reading things, looking around. Everyone's all upset in the supermarket. What do I eat? What am I supposed to eat? The protein, the carbohydrate, the fat content. People just see fat content, fat content. It has fat, there's fat in it. It's gonna be in me. People just going up to people, you, you look okay, what are you eating? Maybe I'll eat that. The whole supermarket is designed to break down your sense of having any kind of life outside the supermarket. It's like a casino. You know, there's no windows, no clocks, no easily accessible exits. You ever not buy anything in the supermarket and try and get out of there? There's no way out. You can't get out. People walk up to the supermarket, they really have a sense of purpose, don't they? They're walking down there, they go, oh, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get that, I'm gonna pay for it, I'm gonna get out of here and get back to my real life. You see that same person 10 minutes later just... Why did I come up this aisle anyway? This is a different aisle than I've ever been in before. Oh, he's noticing something new. Oh, they got him in mesquite flavor now. What is mesquite? Wonder if it's made from mosquitoes. There's so many subtle insults in a lot of these products. What the hell is chicken of the sea tuna? There's no chickens in the sea. What do they think, they're afraid to tell us it's a fish? Afraid we won't understand? Just put chicken on the can. They'll think it's chicken that lives in the sea. I don't want any chickens that live in the sea. Chickens on the land, fish in the sea. Don't put chickens in the sea. That Oscar Mayer section is creepy too. This guy's inventing meat. There's no olive loaf animal as far as I know. I've never seen a pig with little pimentos in the side. And that other one, head cheese, whoa! Oh, I don't think so. I've always felt the words head and cheese should never be that close together for any reason. Produce is tricky too. I don't know what's the deal with the produce. I mean, every, you're supposed to know. That's all you have to just fake it, you know. Yeah, that's a good one. Glad I found that one. Cantaloupes, I'm rolling them down the aisle, you know. See the way that's fading left? That one's not ready. I'm not going to get that one. Very impressed with that seedless watermelon development. That was quite an accomplishment. Seedless watermelon. They did it. It's done. We have it now. What are they planting to grow the seedless watermelon, I wonder? Water? I mean, it's got to be something. They haven't got the melons humping now, have they? 
And what kind of scientists do this kind of work anyway? You know, other scientists working on AIDS, cancer, heart disease, these guys are going, no, I want to focus more on melon. I think that's the important area. Sure, thousands are dying needlessly, but this, that's got to stop. And you ever try and pick up a wet one off the floor? It's almost impossible. Milk is a big problem for people in the supermarket. They're never quite sure if they have it, if they need it. They bury it way in the back in the supermarket. You gotta find it, you gotta hack your way through all the displays. Well, there it is. There's the milk. Do we have any milk? People are never really sure if they have milk. You think you have milk, we might have milk. I know there's a carton in there, I don't know how much is in there. Well, what should we do? Because you want to be sure. There's nothing worse than thinking you have milk and not having it. You know, you got the bowl set up, the cereal, the spoon, the napkin, the TV, the newspaper, everything's ready to go. You gotta lift up the carton and it's too light. Ah! Oh no! Too light. Or sometimes you think you need milk. Hey, we better pick up some milk. Like many of you are thinking right now. You know, he's right. Maybe we should pick up some milk. So you'll pick up some milk on the way home. And then you'll discover you already had milk. And now you got way too much milk. That's no good either. Now it's a race against the clock with the expiration date. That freaky thing. Now you're eating giant punch bowls of cereal, three meals a day. You're washing your face with milk. Bringing cats in from all over the neighborhood. Hurry up and drink it! Come on, it's almost time! How do they know that that is the definite exact day? You know, they don't say like it's in the vicinity, give or take, roughly. They brand it right into the side of the car and then they That's your goddamn day right there. Oh, don't screw with us. We know what day is the final day. And then it is so over. You ever have milk the day after the day? Scares the hell out of you, doesn't it? The spoon is trembling as it comes out of the bowl. It's after the day. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm doing this. I smelled it. You smell it. What is it supposed to smell like? I never smelled milk. Maybe the cows tip them off when they're milking them. July 3rd. So I go to that checkout line. I really appreciate the rubber divider sticks that are available on checkout lines. I think this is a nice little supermarket feature. So you want your items and you want a little property there too. So you, I don't want other people's items fraternizing with my carefully selected items. Put your sticks down. There's two ways to use the rubber divider stick. You can put it on the conveyor belt or you can hold it there in your hand. It also works like that. Just go, excuse me, those potato chips are getting a little close to my box of donuts over there. <laughs> See that corner of that bag kind of curling up against the side of the box? I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> you paying attention to me? <laughs> so there was a young lady in front of me the other day. Her total was $3. She chose to pay by the use of the check. 
what is with the checks and the checks? <laughs> Women are using way more checks than men. Are you aware of this, guys? Outside of, I think, bills, men write like two, three checks a month. Women go through like a book a day. <laughs> and you know how you are when you're on the supermarket line anyway. You see the person in front of you pull out a check and you... But if it is a woman in front of you that's writing out the check, you will not be waiting long because women write out so many checks. They are so fluent in the procedures of checking and check writing. It takes them two seconds and they're out of there. It's the one thing in their purse they can find immediately. It's the checkbook. The most difficult thing for women to find in their purse is keys. They have no idea where the keys are. Sometimes they have to dump it out, rake through it. But the checkbook, they got that. That comes out of a holster. Who do I make it out to? Here's my ID. See you later. You don't see men doing that. Men are totally intimidated by the check. To a man, a check is like a note from your mother that, that says, I don't have any money, but if you contact these people, they'll stick up for me. I gave my money to these people here. And then they gave me these. Is that worth anything at all? I put my name on it and the amount of money that I wish I had. You gotta beg this guy to trust you. And even if he does trust you, how much do you trust him in return? Not very much. Because when you write out the dollar amount on the check, you always put that long line all the way down. So he can't write in and $100 million too. I think if you don't finish the line, you have to pay that money. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Sumner,
Alexander Zajic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to 